you are listening to the Pleasant View Baptist Church preaching podcast. We hope today's message will be a blessing to you and your family. Thank you for taking time to listen to our preaching podcast. All right. Bible says this, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on his height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Man looketh after the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Lord, I pray, God, tonight that you would add a blessing to your word tonight, God, and I pray, God, that you would help us tonight as we preach. I pray, God, that we'll say exactly what you want us to say, God. I pray, God, that you would help us uh, uh, just be in your will, God. God, I pray, God, that you would help us tonight, God, meet the need, God. If there's one here lost tonight, God, I pray, God, to come to know you as our personal Savior, God. And, God, we thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, that name above every name, amen and amen. You can be seated tonight, church. Um, David, right here in our passage of Scripture tonight, um, I'm talking about, I'm sorry, not David, Samuel. Uh, Samuel, at this point in our, in our Scripture, he has went to the house of Jesse, uh, we know this is David's father, and he is looking for the next king of Israel. He was look, he's looking for the next king to take over uh, the nation of Israel. And Jesse, I think this is almost kind of funny. David's the youngest brother. Um, he's the puniest. He's the weakest. He's not in the house. Uh, he's out there somewhere uh, uh, working his sheep. He's out there on the backside of the mountain somewhere just working his sheep. And can I say this right here? God, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a message in itself right there. Uh, you had all the people trying to show off in the, ho- in the house uh, uh, to the man of God. They're trying to show off to uh, uh, what they can do, trying to show off their appearances, trying to show off their abilities and show off their gifts. And David um, uh, is out there just serving God out there on the side of the hill somewhere. And that's who Samuel was looking for. Um, um, but when we come to this passage of Scripture, Samuel is trying to look and locate um, uh, the next king of Israel. And he is going through all the sons of Jesse. And right in the middle of the, all the sons of Jesse, um, uh, verse number 6, and it says, And it came to pass when they were come that he looked upon Eliah and said, uh, surely the Lord's appointed is before him. And I, I'm assuming that his appearance made him look like a king. Um, he looked. He, he looked the part. He probably talked the part. Um, he probably had the pedigree. He probably had um, the, uh, the look, the stature, the physical strength. And, and to the appearance, he looked like he knew what he was doing. Um, um, and the, and the, and in the eyes of the world, um, he probably had everything figured out. But God... Uh, had somebody else in mind, and that my, that in mind it was a man called David, a little boy over here on the back side of the desert. But this passage of scripture right here in this verse is uh, is a verse that I think there's more to it um, than what meets the eye, and I believe it's this tonight. And we're going to look tonight at the heart of David, uh, and I'm going to preach on the thought of our heart. Uh, we're going to preach on the heart tonight. Um, the heart is used in scripture as the most comprehensive term for the authenticity of a person. Uh, it is a part of our, of our being where we desire, we deliberate, and we decide. It has been described as a place of consciousness and a decisive spiritual activity. The comprehensive term for the person as a whole, his feelings, his desires, his passions, his thoughts, his understandings, his will, and the very center of the person um, is the place in which God turns, and that is the heart of, of every one of us. There's one thing that we can all say in here tonight. If you've got breath in your lungs, you can raise your hand and say, you got a heart in your chest. 
And God is after your heart. And uh, so we're going to look at that. Our heart is our desires, as I said. Uh, that is where your desires come from. Your, uh, when you deliberate, you deliberate. Yes, we think about things with our mind, um, but you should uh, uh, make decisions with your heart and, and, really, and really make the right decision on things. And, and that's where our decisions are ultimately made, uh, is with our heart. Um, y'all all heard the... the uh, uh, the blind and deaf girl by the name of Helen Keller, correct? Everybody knows who that is. She said this, she said, The best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with the heart. And I know that's not Bible, but that's pretty good stuff right there. Uh, let me read it again. The best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with the heart. And this is a person who couldn't see and she couldn't hear. And so her, my, her whole world was everything by feel. Uh, she felt everything. She felt everywhere she could do. And she said the difference of feeling something with a touch and feeling something with a heart uh, is two different things. Our heart is the battleground of spiritual warfare between God and Satan. That is where the warfare takes place uh, is on the battlefield of our heart of God and Satan. So I want to look tonight at the word heart, and uh, we're going to use an acrostic again. I like using those. I get a pretty good response on those. It's, a, it's an acronym, not an acronym. Yeah, I guess it is an acronym. I guess it's the same thing, taking each word, teaching each letter of a word and giving you a point on them. So we're going to do that with the word heart tonight. Heart, the last time I checked, starts with the letter H. Am I correct? Um, I, I don't want nobody falling asleep on me tonight, so I'm gonna, I may have to ask you some questions. Uh, heart is, starts with the letter H and the word that I thought of when I thought about this is the word hope. The word hope. If our heart is where our hope is. And so what are you hoping for today? The book of Titus chapter number 2 verses 11 through 13 say this, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly uh, in the presence of the in, in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Um, can I say this right here? When, in the life of David, when you study out the life of David, you're going to find this, that David brought hope in hopeless situations. David brought to the battlefield uh, some hope. And that hope did not come from his inward self. That hope did not come from his daddy. That hope did not come from some lamb on the side of a hill. That hope came from none other than the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Uh, that hope came from the Lord. And so, can I say this tonight? Your hope is coming... Um, from the Lord. You may say, this world is tearing me apart. This world is tearing me down. Can I tell you what? The last time I, I read the end of the book, we win. Uh, it, we're, we're closer to the second coming of the Lord than we've ever been. And, and God's about to come back. Uh, if you feel like your world is caving in around you, just pin your ears. Check a look at the eastern sky. Because at any moment, we could, we could see ourselves uh, going into the sky and being caught up into the rapture. And that our hope is in the Lord tonight. When the army of Israel was facing Goliath, David, uh, David brought something to the battlefield um, that was a forgotten word, and that was the word hope. Hope is not a, is, is, is not a, a desperation word. Uh, hope can be found where expectations are lying. Um, hope is missing in our society today. Hope is having the faith in God and that God can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. Uh, that's the hope that we have. David knew of this hope, and David knew the Lord was on their side. And I'm talking about the story that takes place 
just after the selection of the king right here and just right after he's anointed king in just a few more verses David uh, goes out and checks on his brothers and they're out there they're standing there hid with their tails tucked between their legs they're hiding by, from the enemy Goliath and they're facing a big Goliath in their life and, and they had no hope when they got to the battlefield but David brought that hope with him um, although faith and hope are closely linked together they are separately um, they are clearly distinguished faith has um, work to perform today. Hope cheers faith along the way and points of, of towards the peace. Faith comes by the hearing of the Word in the books of Romans, but hope comes from the experience of, uh, from the Word. Um, can I say that again? Faith comes from the hearing of Word. Hope comes from the experience of the Word. Um, the, the, the hope is cheers along the faith. Faith accepts the gift of promise. Hope confidently expect, um, accepts the fulfillment of the promise. The Word of God says much about hope, but never does it use the term um, to mean uncertainty or doubt. Um, so many times we think of the word hope and we say, well, I hope on this. I hope that. And that's out of desperation. Can I tell you this? My hope is in the Lord, but I'm not in desperation of the Lord. Can I tell you this? I know what's going to take place. I know without a shadow of a doubt that the moment I take my last breath, I'm going to be absent from this body and I'm going to be present with the Lord. It don't matter what this world throws at me. It don't matter what my enemy tries to tear me down with. Uh, can I tell you this? My hope, there's hope that lieth in me um, that is greater than anything this world has ever seen. The hope that lieth in you is greater than anything this world has ever seen and if we're ever going to do anything for God if we're ever going to have the right heart for God it's all going to start with having the hope of God uh, the word uh, uh, it is wrong for us to scripturally uh, 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 to use the scriptural term by saying I hope uh, I am a Christian that's not, that's not how God ever meant for the word hope to be used. Can I say this tonight? I don't hope that I'm a Christian. I know, I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt uh, that I'm a Christian tonight, church. Can I say this right now? Uh, to have the right heart for God. Can I tell you what you need to do? You need to kick Satan to the side and you need to quit letting him get up on your shoulder and you need to tell him what's right in your life. You need to tell him that God's on your side and that God's got this. That's what you need to do tonight. Look right here. There's a, there's a funny, there's a, you don't say, I hope I'm an American, do you? I, hope, I know I'm an American. I know I'm an American. I know that. I don't hope it. My hope's not in that. My hope's in the God. Anyway, I, I do not hope to be something. I know that I already am. Let us examine. There's three different classes today of the word hope in this world. There are three different types of people in this world, um, and they all have hope. Everybody in the world has hope, and it comes in three different ways. Number one, there's a crowd out there that has no hope, and that's the ones that are lost and dying, and uh, uh, they're lost and dying in this world and going to a place called hell. They have no hope. But look right here. There's also a crowd out there that's got a false hope. I don't have time to turn over there, and I'm not going to quote it exactly. But over there, I, I believe it's uh, Paul maybe talking to Timothy, I believe, but don't quote me on this. Uh, um, but it's in, I know it's there, I promise. He talks about a, a new gospel being preached or a new word being brought up. Can I say this right now? In the countries, where, in, the, in the churches where we're at today, there is a new gospel being preached. And can I tell you what? It may look like the gospel. It may even act like the gospel. But can I tell you what? It's not today. Can I tell you, a uh, uh, gospel is not found in living your life any old way. Gospel is found in, in dying um, uh, dying to ourselves and dying to sin. And I say this, the whole world wants you to live in sin and, and attend church, but that's not what God calls you to do. 
God told you to die in sin. And die in sin. Let me resurrect you up. And then let me clean your life up and we'll get things right. Um, there, there's a different gospel going on that's being preached. Can I say this right here? Uh, that there's a different gospel that's being preached in uh, with with light show and a and, and a and a smoke machine and and they're trying to appease the flesh. Can I tell you what? I've said it a hundred times the last couple of weeks, and God keeps bringing me back to it. I want these pews to be the most uncomfortable pews in the world, and I don't mean physically; I mean spiritually. I want people to come in here. I want people to sit on these pews, and I want them to be uncomfortable. I want them their lives to be uncomfortable. Can I say this about you, church? I want you to sit on the church pew and be uncomfortable. I want you to be up. We all can be better Christians. Can I get an amen on that? We all can do better in our life. We all got things that we could uh, that we could put aside. There ain't none of us in here perfect, including me. There ain't none of us in this room perfect. We all need to come to the church and say, God, what is it in my life that I need to get aside and get closer to you? But this new gospel that's out there, it just says live like you want to. Just get things right before you die. Just get things right before you die. That's not what my Bible says. That's not what my Bible says. Anyway, there's a, there's a no hope and there's false hope, but then there's ones like us who have the true hope. They have the truth. The other day I was listening to a podcast. I don't even know the preacher's name. I don't know the church's name. I saw the title and I thought, hey, I like it. Let me click on it. Next thing I know, I was skeptical. I said, they're going, oh, he's probably going to read out of the wrong Bible. Next thing I know, he's, he's reading out of the right Bible. Next thing I know, he pins his ear back and he don't give no sissy outline. I'm here to tell you he pins back. He, I'm talking about he preached hell hot and heaven sweet. And uh, I'm here to tell you, I think the paint peeled off a wall. And his preaching, still ain't got a clue who the man is. I can only find, I can find the podcast again. But you know, what it reminded me of is this, is we're not the only ones. <laughs> can I say this right here? We're not the only ones. Can I say this right here? Well, Pleasant View Baptist Church is not the only church that is right. I'm thankful that there's others that are right that we can yoke up with and that we can that we can join, not join up in our in our on all of our things, be exactly the same. Understand what I mean by that? But that we could yoke up and we see people at the restaurant or we see them at the store. We can say, "How was your service today? How was your service? Thank you, buddy. Oh, you about had it. Oh, try again there. Oh, strike one. Good job. Thank you. Uh, knew what Daddy needed right there, didn't you? Uh, but anyway. I mean, I, I mean, I think about this right here. I got people I work with that go to church. I got people I work with that go to right churches. And I got people I work with that, well, they go to church. Let's just put it that way. And can I tell you what? You can tell the difference. I walk up to one of them, I'll say, how's your service on Sunday? And that one particular lady I'm thinking of, she said, man, we had a hungdinger. And she said the altar's filled up. She said the preacher didn't even get to preach. Well, I'm just throwing an example out there. Then I'll have another one that I'll say, how was your service on Sunday? And they're like, huh? What do you mean? What are you talking about? What do you mean, how was our service on Sunday? How was your service on Sunday? I mean, was it a good one? Was it a bad one? Did the preacher preach? Did, did, he, did he not preach? Did, oh, and, and oh, well, we've done a couple of Hail Marys and, and this, that. I'm telling you, not everybody that goes to church goes to a right church, but I'm thankful we're not the only church. I'm thankful there's other people I can go to and say, hey, how was your service? I'm thankful that on my way to church on Sunday mornings, I pick up my Marco Polo app. You know what? I, I run out of time um, uh, Marco Polo and preachers and telling them I'm praying for them. Um, you know, because they, they, they're just, they're just so many preacher friends. We're, we're lucky to know that we're not the only ones. <laughs> there's more out there. But anyway, there's a true, there's a no hope, there's a false hope, there's a true hope. Look right here. Let's look at the letter. Talking about having the right heart, having a heart that David had. And David is a man, there's one thing said about David that is not said about anybody else in the Bible. And that's David is a man after God's own heart. And so if there's anybody that we need to study after and live our life after, is David. 
But David, he had a heart of hope. Look right here. David not only had a heart of hope when he went to the battlefield, but look right here. He had a heart of excitement. Excitement. Can I tell you what that kills our churches? His Christians come in here not excited about the things of God. I don't understand it. I don't understand how we live in victory, yet we walk through the church doors and all we can do is complain about everything that's going on in the church. All we can do is complain about this and complain about that. We can't put a smile on our face. If a, There's some people I know, I'm not talking about people just in here, but in general, there's some people I know that if a smile hit their face and I saw it, I'd probably fall over dead. I mean, there's some people I wonder if they even know how to smile. And I'm telling you what, it would do a lot of good for some people to smile. Are we not excited about what God has done? Are we not excited about God sent 25 young people to our church, 28 on Saturday, and there was different crowds of both? Can we not get excited about it? We can go get excited at a ball game. We can go down to the football game and see little Johnny running for a touchdown. And we can say, go, go, go. But when one person gets saved, we can't say a word about it. We can't even say amen. We can't say hallelujah. We can't lift up our hand when the choir comes up here and they're filled up with the Holy Ghost and they start singing a song that helps us. We don't even get a happy about that. Church, we don't have the right heart. Where's our heart? Now we have a heart of excitement. Now I tell you what, when I see the kids come to Sunday school, I get excited. I tell you what, when I see that we had one class, Miss Michelle, 14, I think was the biggest number you had, 15. When I see one class, y'all didn't know this. They didn't just have to bring a chair in or two. They had to bring a whole table in. That excites me. That makes me happy. That makes this old boy happy tonight. Because what, but yet we come in and we just have no excitement about us. We don't get excited about the things of the Lord. David, as he went to the battlefield that day, he sat there and saw Goliath over there just, I'm talking, running the children of Israel down. David walked in with a little excitement in his voice. Uh, the David, he over there and he said, I got my sling and a stone. Hang on, let me, hang on, I got my sling. Hang on, let me go get some stones. You know what he didn't do? I picture, y'all know how I picture Bible stories. I'm sorry, it's just how I do things, all right? Y'all know this by now. I'm, I, got, I got a silly mind sometimes. But David, he didn't walk down to the brook going, God help me if you can. God help us if you can. Now I believe he ran down there. He grabbed the rocks up. He brought them to the battlefield. And he said, I'm ready, sir. I'm ready to report for duty tonight. It's time we have some excitement in the house of God. Now tell you what, some things that should excite you. When Miss Ashley goes over there, been playing the piano just for a couple weeks. And he goes over there and I hand her a song that she's never seen before. And she goes, hang on a minute, I'll learn it in just a second. She almost done that tonight. I stopped her. I said, hold on now. Easy there, Sea Biscuit. Back it up, Terry. Put that thing in reverse. And I said, hold on. Let's not, let's not jump the gun. Work on it a little bit. That should excite us. That should excite us. That should make an excitement in us. Not drag us down. David ran into the battlefield. For most people, when they face a moment in their life that is death-defying, can we all agree that David was facing a death-defying moment in his life? He's standing before a nine-foot-tall giant. Can I, can I say that? And then look at this right here. Here's your good one-liner. I like one-liners. 
And I can't give nobody credit for this one. I got to give myself credit on this one. I'm pretty happy about this one. Y'all ready? Here's your little one-liner. That, that, that's your dishes, reesology. Not really reesology. It's truth. I mean, there's a lot of truth in it. But it's one of my statements. You know, David looked at his Goliath as an opportunity, not an obstacle. He saw his Goliath as an opportunity, not an obstacle. Can I say some of us may have saw the number of kids that was here as an obstacle. How are we just going to get through this? Can I say this right here? I heard, we, I got to be careful. I'm just going to say it. It'll be all right. It's better to ask forgiveness than permission anyway, right? I, was, I heard somebody talking about a vacation in Bible school not long ago when we was planning for ours. And they said, well, if we just get through it, if we can just get through vacation Bible school, just get through it. You're, the, the, I, this church that I was thinking of though that's talking about this, man, they had a good turnout to vacation Bible school. I'm here to tell you, I had a great turnout. And yet they're saying, can we just get through Bible school? So many times we say, can we just get through this Sunday? If we can just get through this Sunday, we'll be doing all right. If we'll just get through this, no. Quit looking at your Goliaths as obstacles and start looking at them as opportunities. Job said this, or, or I'm sorry, this, I'm not, not, not Job. God said this about Job. God said this about Job. Hast thou not considered my servant Job? Yes, Job lost everything he had. Job lost his entire family. Job lost his entire farm. Job lost everything. He lost his wife. He lost everything. But God chose him to lose everything. God, don't look at it as what he lost. Look at it as God chose him to be worthy. In, front of, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the midst of one of the greatest enemies this world, the greatest enemy this world ever has, and that is Satan, God said, Has not thou considered my servant Job? I want to ask you this question. If, if Satan went before God tonight, could God count on you? If Satan went, I, I may have said that messed up. I mean, let me say it right this time. I, I'll get my words mixed up sometimes. If Satan were to go before God tonight, looking for somebody, could God count on you? So many times I just wonder how much God could count on us. Could God really call my number if he needed me to? Could God look down to me? That's baseball terminology right here. If you're a baseball fan, you'll get this. Ashlyn, you'll catch on. Could God look down to the bullpen at me and say, could he do that? Could he call my number and expect me and, and want me to do his will and do it exactly the way he's done? David looked at Goliath as an opportunity, not an obstacle. Can I say this right here? You may be here today with a Goliath-sized problem, but you can turn that problem into an opportunity tonight. You may not see how. You may not, see, you may not be able to see how God can make it an opportunity, but I promise you if you'll just trust him, just trust him tonight, church. Look right here. We're going to have the right heart. We need to have the hope. We've got to have the right hope. Look right here. We've got to have some excitement. Can I say this right here? H-E-A. There's the heart. The third letter is A. We've got to have the right aim. David didn't aim at Goliath's feet. David didn't aim center mass. As you're taught in law enforcement to aim center mass, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't aim center mass. He aimed for the weakest part of the giant that was his head. He aimed for the right spot on the giant. Now, I still believe it was God's hand that came down and slapped the giant in the back of the head about the same time the stone hit his hand. Hit his head because Goliath didn't fall on his back. He fell on his face. Um, uh, we'll just leave it at that. But anyway, the aim of God. David set his target on the very heart of God. Now, I was talking about Goliath there, but understanding his whole life, he knew where to hit Goliath at, but he also knew where to get heart, God at. 
I said this earlier. David is the only person who said this about. There's on, this is the only, only, only Bible character that this said about in our Bible is David, that he is a man after God's own heart. What better heart to chase than the heart of God? Don't chase after the heart of this world. Don't chase after the heart of a job. Don't chase after the heart of a... Um, I'll even say this to, to one of you that's got talent. If you're a singer tonight, don't chase after the heart of being a great singer. Miss Ashland, don't chase after the heart of being a great musicianist. Brother Vince, don't, don't chase after being the heart of a great bass player or a great singer. Don't do that. Chase after God's heart. And he'll give you all that. He'll let that all come to you. Chase after God. Put your eyes on God and aim for his heart. And put your target on him. Have the right aim. Look right here. I'll say this right here. If you're going to have the right heart, you're going to have to have the hope. You're going to have to have some excitement. You're going to have to have the right aim. But every once in a while, there's going to have to be a renewal. There's going to have to be a time of renewal in your life. There are times where we fail God. There's times where we mess up. Can we just all be real? Some of our mess ups are real little. In our eyes, they're all the same in God's eyes. But in reality, let's, under, let's, let's, let's be real. Uh, uh, some mistakes we make are real little and some mistakes we make are real big. And can we just be honest? We all make mistakes. There ain't nobody in here said this perfect. I said that earlier. We're not all perfect. But let's say this. There will come a time of renewal. David had a Psalms 51 moment in his life. He said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And what he was saying right there, after that, that, was, that was after, if you study that psalm out, you'll find out that he penned that um, after he messed up with Bathsheba. After, after he sinned with Bathsheba, and he lost literally every child he had. Every child that he had was affected by his sin. Every child he had was affected by his sin. There was a renewal that took place in his life when he said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He said, restore. We've got to have a heart of renewal. But look right here, not only do we have to have a heart of renewal, we've got to have a heart of trust. Last letter, trust. David learned to trust. Can I say this right here? David didn't learn to trust on the battlefield when the heat was on. No, he learned to trust on the backside of a mountain somewhere. There wasn't nobody around to see him kill the lion and the bear. The story of him killing life. They, I ain't got time to. There's so much preaching life of David, it'd blow your mind. You just everybody needs to study. But David killed a lion and a bear over there on the backside of the mountain over on the mountainside. He killed a lion and a bear. There wasn't nobody there to see him do it. There was no paparazzi around with flashing cameras. He none of his brothers saw it. His own daddy didn't see it. Can I say what well, Samuel didn't see him do it? None of the nation of Israel saw what happened, but David knew what God can do. And can I say you right here, that, what I mean by that is that was in his secret time. That was in his secret time. When you see God answer prayers in your secret time, prayers that you don't tell nobody else about, can I say this right here, what that does is that put bullets in your gun, if you want to put it, put it like that. That gives you some firepower that when big things come around, you can trust that God is going to be on your side. Somewhere along the line, David learned that. David learned his lesson with Bathsheba. Have you ever read the life of David? Y'all know he messed up with Bathsheba, what happened there. If you'll read the very last verses of David's life, you'll find out this, that he couldn't get heat. His body was, he was dying, and all the heat was leaving his body. And so what they'd done, a custom of that day, was to bring a young lady in uh, to lay with him, and that was to warm his body up. But the Bible specifically says this, he knew her not. Now, without going into too many details, because there's little ears in here, we should all know what that means. We should all have the understanding of what that meant. That means he was put in a room by himself 
with all the opportunity in the world to commit the same sin that he sinned before, uh, to do, go down the same road that he went down, but he knew her not. David learned how to trust God in sin. David learned how to trust God in the battlefield. David learned how to trust God back in the silence parts of his life. David learned it and he passed it on to his son. How do you know, how do you know all this? How, how do you know David passed on his son? What is Proverbs uh, chapter number, uh, uh, what does Proverbs chapter number 3, verses 5 and 6 say? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Who wrote those words? Who wrote those words? Solomon, the son of David. I can just picture this, and like I said before, y'all just got to go with me. I can picture this young Solomon one day, him and elderly David at this point, is somewhere down the road. I don't know what they're doing. They may be out fishing. They may be out working the sheep. They're probably out doing something, I guarantee it. They weren't sitting around being lazy. David didn't learn his lesson. Maybe sitting, he said, I can imagine David got up on a rock somewhere and he sat down he said, oh, Solomon, come here. Jump up in my lap. He jumped up in his lap and he put his arm around. He said, Solomon, let me tell you a secret. He said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on that own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. He shall direct thy path. I just wonder how many times it only took Solomon to the third chapter of the book of Proverbs to pin this down. It only took him to the third chapter. I just wonder how many times David said that in his lifetime. David Solomon, I wonder one day in his life as a kid, if he didn't go out in the field and he didn't say, Daddy, whew, crops look pretty weak this year. We're going to have enough food to make it. Crops look pretty weak this year. We're going to have enough food to make it, Daddy. And I just wonder if David don't look at him and said, Trust in the Lord. Lean not on thy own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. I bet David, I can imagine Solomon one day sit over there and said, Daddy, there's a storm a-brewing. It's looking pretty rough. What are we going to do? We're going to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. We're going to lead not to our own understanding, but in all our ways we're going to acknowledge him and he shall direct our path. I could imagine he said one day the Philistines may have, may have rose back up against him. I just want, I don't know, I'm just throwing some thoughts out there that this is the white parts of the Bible. In Reesology, you don't get nothing out of it. I sure do, all right? It's helping me, so you just, you just let me help myself for a minute. He may go over there and say, look, Daddy, that last storm that came through tore our house down. We got over to live. What are we going to do, Daddy? David didn't throw up and suck his thumb. David said, we're going to trust in the Lord. <laughs> we're going to lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, we're going to acknowledge Him and He will direct our path. I just wonder how many times David said that in the life of Solomon. Solomon as a young kid. It only took Solomon three chapters to say it. Very early on in his writings, he says it. Very early on. So that means David had to teach him something. He learned something from his dad. He learned how to trust God. And can I say this right here? There's a generation behind us, church. Look at these youngins. Look around. Look at these youngins around here. I'll say this right here. There's some of y'all. I'm a youngin' to y'all. I need to look at you and I need to learn how to trust God. I say right now, I need to look at you and I need to hear your stories. I need to hear, I need to see in your life where you lean not on your understand, your own understanding, but in all your ways you acknowledge God and He directed your path. I need to see that. Can I tell you what, church? You need to see in my time, in my life, and the way I lead this church, you need to see me and trust God. You need to see me times and not lean on my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct our path. I promise you that, church. If we're going to have the right heart, we're going to have to learn to trust God. We're going to have to learn to trust God. And Friday, I believe Friday was just a small step 
into trusting God. I believe it was just a small step. Friday night and Saturday was just a small step in trusting God. I'll tell you what we need to do, church. We need to trust God tonight. You're going to have the right heart. You say, how do I, how do I make my life better? Miss Ashland, she's going to come and play a verse sometime for you. How do I make my life better? Trust God. Don't trust what I'm telling you. Trust the Word of God. You say, preacher, I don't know which way to turn in my life. Can I tell you what you need to do in the morning? Tomorrow morning is Thursday, August the 17th. In the morning when you wake up, turn to Proverbs 17. Just start reading. Right off the top of my head, I don't know if I can tell you exactly what that psalm, that proverb is about, but I promise you it'll help you. You say, I want more than that. Read your Bible. When you wake up in the morning, as you're driving the road, don't reach over and turn the radio on. Just go say, Lord, I thank you for the many blessings you've bestowed upon my life. Thank you, Lord, for my family. Thank you, Lord, for my health. Thank you, Lord, for my strength. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that I have to, to get up and go to work every day. Thank you, Lord, for it. You say, preacher, you just don't know what I'm going through. Start thanking what God. Thank God for what you're going through. Start thanking Him for your Goliath. Start thanking Him for your storms. Thank Him for going ahead and getting through your storm. Go ahead and start thanking Him. You say, preacher, that's not going to give me the right heart. I promise you it will. I promise you, if you'll, have, if you'll trust God, God will put the right heart in you. God will give you the right heart. Just trust God. Just trust God. She's going to begin playing here softly. And I want to ask you tonight, do you have the right heart? Where is your heart at? Maybe your heart, your heart will be where your money is. I'll say that. Your heart will be where your time is. Your heart will be where your talk is, if you want to say it like that. Your heart will be wherever that is. You may have came in here tonight and your mind was not on God. Your mind was not on the things of God. Your mind was 100,000 miles away from here. I'm just going to tell you this right here. I found your problem. Your heart ain't on God. Your heart's on everything else. If you put more time into something else besides God, then you don't have the heart of God. Can I tell you what I want in my life? Can I tell you what I need in my life? I need a better heart that chases after the heart of God. David is the only one ever said that he was a man after God's own heart. He wanted the heart of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed tonight, church. Do you have the right heart? These altars are open. They're never closed. Do I, is that going to be said? Anytime you feel like you need to pray, you come on. There's some move. Where's your heart at tonight? Your heart may be in your job. And you say, preacher, if my heart's not in my job, then I'm going to lose my job and I can't tithe. That's just an excuse you're trying to make. Can I say this right here? You can have a heart for God and still never miss work. I'll say this right here. If you've got a heart for God, you won't miss work. You'll be there. Where's your heart at tonight? Church, where is our hearts at tonight? Where are they at? You can come and find the right heart tonight. 